So glad that you're here today, that we can all be here today to worship the Lord together, look into his word, remember all of his blessings, and be thankful for them, and they are many. I was talking recently with a friend of mine who is an elder in a church in another city, and he was telling me about a problem that they were having with their preacher. He said he will not preach on baptism. Now, if you've been around churches of Christ much, you know that's about like denying God. <laughs> because we talk about baptism a lot in churches of Christ, don't we? But his comment started me thinking, when was the last time that I preached on baptism? I know that I mention it often in sermons, but it's been a while since I actually delivered a sermon on it and uh, tried to uh, give any kind of systematic uh, exposition of it or teaching on it. It's right that we mention it a lot, by the way, because the Bible mentions it a lot. My friend David Anguish says 108 times in the New Testament, and I'm going to take his word for it. I'm not good at math, and he used to teach math. But 108 times the Bible talks about baptism, and so it's got to be an important subject. It would be important if it were mentioned only once, but it's mentioned 108 times. But it, it occurs to me that we have lots of folks attending here at Glen Allen who may not have had a lot of connection with Churches of Christ, and so you may not be familiar with what baptism is and what it's all about. So I want to try to rectify that this morning, and that's kind of a tall order in one sermon, especially if it's mentioned 108 times. So I'll, I'll only be spending two minutes on each one of those scriptures, <laughs> and you can do the math and decide whether or not you can endure but first of all, uh, just starting at the very beginning, what, what is it? What is baptism? We hear the word a lot, but what does it actually mean? What is it actually about? One of the interesting things about baptism is that this is one of the few times that our English New Testaments do not translate the word from Greek. They don't translate it. They transliterate it. Transliterating means they just take the Greek word and spell it in English letters. The Greek noun is bapto. Uh, the, uh, the uh, verb, the noun is baptisma, and so they just spell it out in English letters, and so we get the words baptize, baptism, and so forth. It's interesting that they don't translate it, uh, but that means that then we have to look behind it and see what does the, the word mean. And the word bapto, the verb, means to dip or to plunge. It even means to sink. In ancient times, this verb might be used when a ship sank. If your ship got baptized, that was a bad thing because that meant it sunk. So that makes it pretty clear what the word itself means, doesn't it? And uh, in Scripture, it doesn't ever mean anything else other than being immersed. So when we speak of baptism in the biblical sense, we're always talking about immersion. And I know that that's not true the way everybody talks about it. But if you're speaking in the biblical sense, that's what it is. It is immersion. Some uh, religious groups take a small amount of water and put it on somebody's head or dampen a rose or dampen a handkerchief or something of that nature and, and refer to that as baptism. But it, it's really a contradiction in terms because it is not an, an immersion. So technically speaking, that's not a baptism because it's not an immersion. And you might be wondering, well, is that important? And I think the answer to that has to be yes, it is important because uh, in Romans 6, Paul talks about our being buried with Christ 
in baptism. And if you don't immerse, then you certainly lose that symbolism of the, uh, the immersion, of the burial uh, with Christ. And it's simply not what Scripture says to do. So, yes, that part is important. Well, another question, why then is baptism important? And this is probably the biggest question that we need to deal with today. Why is it important? And the fact is there are a lot of reasons. Here's one of the main ones. You heard the reading at the beginning of the service this morning about Jesus coming and being baptized by John. Baptism is important for one reason, because Jesus did it, and he said for us to do it. That ought to be a reason enough, shouldn't it? He did it, and he said for us to do it. Matthew 3 tells about him coming to the Jordan to be baptized by John, and John didn't want to do it. And John felt that he was unworthy, and he felt that somehow this situation needs to be reversed, and he says, I need to be baptized by you, and here you are coming to be baptized by me. And Jesus said, let it be so now, for it is fitting, it is appropriate for us to fulfill all righteousness. Now, one of the reasons I think John hesitated to baptize Jesus is because his baptism was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And I don't know whether he fully recognized at that point that Jesus was the sinless son of God or not. But I think he had an inkling of it, that he does not need a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. And he says, no, I'm, I'm the one who needs that, not, not you. But Jesus said it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Now, here's the difference between Jesus being baptized and you or I being baptized. When you and I are baptized, we cannot fulfill all righteousness because we're sinners. There's still going to be some huge gaps in our righteousness. But when Jesus was baptized, he fulfilled all righteousness, being the sinless son of God. But here's the point. If, if he thought that he should do it, who are we to question it when Scripture says for us to do it? And Jesus did say for us to do it because you go to the other end of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 and 19. And Jesus sent his disciples out with these words. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you, and I am with you even to the end of the age. Baptism is important because that's how you become a disciple. Jesus said, do what? Go and make disciples of all the nations. How? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe everything that I've taught you. And so that's why the church has continued for generations and, and for centuries to teach that same thing. Jesus said baptism was important. It's important enough for him to do it, important enough for him to say that's what everybody ought to do. That's how we become disciples. But there's another reason why baptism is important, and that's because of what happens when we're baptized. You know, a lot of folks speak about baptism in totally symbolic terms. If you ask them what is baptism, they'll say, well, it's an outward symbol of an inward grace. It's an outward symbol of something that's taking place. And they'll just speak in terms of symbolism. Did you know the Bible never uses the word symbol in connection with baptism? Not a single time. 
There is a certain symbolism involved, as I mentioned earlier, about being immersed because it, it, it is a symbolizing, it is an imitating of, of, of death and burial and resurrection to new life. But the Bible doesn't talk about what baptism symbolizes. The Bible talks about what baptism does. It talks about what's happening to us when we are baptized. And there's some very important things about that. First of all, we are obeying God. We've already seen that. We're obeying our Savior, Jesus Christ, because he said to baptize all nations in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. That includes you and that includes me. Secondly, what happens in baptism is we have our sins washed away. You heard the reading earlier from Acts 22 in the case of Saul of Tarsus. And Ananias came to him and, and he told him what God wanted him to do. And then he said, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash your sins away. Wash your sins away. Calling on his name. Your sins are washed away. Another way that's put in the book of Acts in chapter 2 and verse 38 is that your sins are forgiven at that point. When people cried out on the day of Pentecost realizing they were guilty of taking part in the, the execution of God's Son, and they said, what do we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I've had people try to tell me that doesn't mean for the forgiveness of sins. It means because of the forgiveness of sins, because your sins have been forgiven. Funny it doesn't say that. I've looked in about 20 different translations, and I can't find a single one that translates it that way because that would be a total violation of the language. It is in order that your sins will be forgiven. We are baptized so that our sins will be forgiven. It's important because in baptism we receive the Holy Spirit. Peter promised that, didn't he, when he told those people on Pentecost, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Later in Acts chapter 5 and verse 32, when he was defending his preaching and that of the Apostle John, he talked about Jesus being crucified and raised from the dead. He said, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When do we receive the Holy Spirit? When we obey God. When we obey God, how? When we obey God by doing what Peter said to do in Acts 2 and verse 38. Repenting of our sins and being baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. Baptism is important because in the act of baptism, we are putting on Christ. We are clothing ourselves with Christ. We're changing our identity. In Galatians 3 and verse 26, Paul said, We are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus have put on Christ. And the language is the language you would use about putting on a coat, putting on clothing. We have clothed ourselves with Christ when we've been baptized into Christ. We're sons of God through faith. And as many of us have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. When you were baptized into Jesus, you put him on that day. Also, baptism is important because when we're baptized, we're added by God to his church. You know, we talk a lot in this, this day and time about people joining churches, don't we? You know, like you join a, a club or you join a, a recreational league or something like that. that. That's not the way the Bible speaks of it. 
In Acts 2, after Peter told those people on Pentecost to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins, and they'd receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 41, just a few verses later, said, So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. About 3,000 people. What, what did they do? The Bible says they believed what Peter was preaching about Jesus. They believed in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. They believed his word. They believed that what he told them to do was the right thing to do. And so they repented and were baptized. And what happened? They were added that day, about 3,000. So then down in verse 47, to the end of the chapter, it says, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You know, becoming a part of the body of Christ it's not something that you elect to do separate and apart from becoming a Christian. Being added to the body of Christ is something that God does for you when you put on Christ. God does that for you when you clothe yourselves with his son. God does that for you. It's kind of like being born into your physical family. You, you don't do that for yourself, do you? Uh, you don't decide about your brothers and sisters, do you? You're just born into the family. And that's what happens to us when we're baptized into Christ. We become a part of his church, the body of Christ. Another reason it's important is because in the act of baptism, we're buried with Christ. We die to sin and we rise to walk in a new life. We get a new life. Paul talks about all this in Romans 6, verses 1 to 4. If you're not familiar with that, I would encourage you to Sit down and read it and think about it very deeply. Some people had asked Paul, since salvation is by grace, can we sin all the more so that grace will abound? If our sin is what produces God's grace, shouldn't we sin more so we get more grace? Now that's kind of foolish, isn't it? Kind of silly, but you can see where they're going with it. And Paul says, by no means, absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he said he raises us from the dead. When we're baptized into Christ and we receive a new life, that's pretty important, isn't it? Peter sums it all up for us. He says baptism saves us. A lot of people don't like that verse. I've had a lot of people tell me that verse doesn't mean what it says. And I said, well, what is it? What does the verse say? Well, it says it. Baptism, therefore, now saves you. And said, well, then if it doesn't mean what it says, what does it mean? And they kind of bump into themselves trying to figure that out. I think it means exactly what it says. But here's the thing. Peter says, baptism, therefore, now saves you, not, not as the washing of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a clear conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What is it that saves us? Is it that water? No. Is it, is it the change that we make? In our, no. What saves us is the power of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so when we're baptized into Jesus, we are 
reenacting that personally for ourselves and that power of that burial and resurrection are becoming effective in our own lives and therefore baptism saves us because it puts us in touch with the blood of Jesus Christ the only thing that can take away our sins if baptism does all that I'd say it's pretty important wouldn't you then we might ask well who is baptism for Who's supposed to be baptized? Well, I'd refer you back to Acts 2 and verse 38 when Peter was preaching on Pentecost and the people cried out and they said, what do we do? He said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Every one of you, he said, no exceptions, everybody. What did Jesus say when he sent the disciples out? Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He didn't say only people in certain parts of the world or only certain people in parts of the world. He said that's how you make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So baptism is for everybody. But note that Peter also said repent and be baptized. Baptism is not some standalone ritual that has some magical power to transform you. It's not that at all. But it is a part of a faith response to God. Recognizing that we are sinners, that we need to be cleansed, that we need to be delivered, we need to be saved. And so we repent and are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That means you have to be old enough and mature enough to be accountable for your sins. And old and mature enough to believe and understand the gospel message. And that's going to vary from person to person, but there are two things that are certain here. The first thing that is certain is, is that if you're old enough to understand that you're a sinner who is lost and in need of salvation, then you should be baptized. The other thing that's obvious and certain is that the practice of baptizing infants is definitely not a biblical practice. It just isn't. We never read about it in the Bible. We're never taught to do it in Scripture in fact, doing it just causes confusion later on. People are baptized as babies, and then when they grow up and they start reading the Bible, and they read about repenting and being baptized, and they think, well, how does that work? I didn't know anything about that. They don't even remember being baptized. It isn't like they put their trust in Jesus at that point. It isn't as though they were repenting of their sins at that point. And so they don't even know if they're baptized or not. And sometimes that keeps them from being baptized. That practice of baptizing infants evolved over the centuries after Christ and the apostles. It is definitely not taught or practiced by them or taught anywhere in Scripture. So if the only baptism that you've ever experienced is one you don't even remember... I would suggest you need to be baptized. You need to repent and be baptized. Putting your trust fully in Christ. It brings up another question. Can I be saved without being baptized? That's an important question. It's an important question because many people are taught that Salvation is by belief only. It's something strictly internal. Something goes on in your head or 
usually they'll say in your heart. And here's that, that symbolism thing again, that people resort to that and say, no, it symbolizes what's going on internally. The act itself is only a symbol. And you know, when you start saying something is only a symbol, it's pretty easy to dispose of it, isn't it? You just dispense with it and it can't be all that important. Many people in the evangelical world teach salvation as coming through the saying of what's called the sinner's prayer. And if you look online, you can find versions of that prayer. You'll find a lot of versions of it, and that's a little troubling. There's more than one version of it. The other thing that's troubling is it does not come from Scripture. Not one time do you find that prayer in Scripture. Not one time do you ever find anybody who knows that they're lost in sin and cries out and says, what must I do? Being told, pray. You don't ever find that happening. Some people may be hesitant about being baptized for a variety of reasons and will wonder, isn't it enough that I just believe? Isn't it enough that I trust Jesus? Isn't it enough that I believe that he's God's son? Let me give you my candid response to that. First of all, it's not my place to judge who is or isn't saved. And I'm not interested in doing that. I want everybody to be saved. I wish the whole world were saved. So I can't answer that for you. You've got to let Scripture answer that for you, whether or not you can be saved without being baptized. Second thing is, remember what the Bible says happens when you are baptized. You are buried with Christ. You rise to new life. You put on Christ your sins are washed away. You are forgiven. You are obeying God. And then the question is this. Can you be saved without those things? Can you be saved without all of that? And if you can be, then I suppose you can be saved without being baptized. But I really wouldn't want to stand before God thinking that, knowing what his word says. The other thing is, why, why wouldn't you want to be baptized? Why wouldn't you want to know that you've done what Jesus said? That you've received the blessings that scripture says we receive in baptism. Why would you risk standing before your creator, not having done what his word so clearly says to do? Why would anybody do that? That leads us to one more question. When? When should I be baptized? You know, the practice of a lot of churches, if you tell them you want to be baptized, they'll put you on a schedule. They'll schedule it for the upcoming Easter or the Christmas Eve service or for the next revival or something like that. And when they do that, they're telling you what they believe about baptism. They're telling you that you're already okay without it. They're telling you that it isn't really that important. They're telling you that you don't need to do it to have your sins forgiven or to put on Christ. They're telling you what they really believe. When you look in scripture, it's a very, very different story. Let me give you some examples. Acts chapter eight, beginning of verse 26. Philip the evangelist 
was guided by an angel to a little traveled road that went from Jerusalem to Gaza. And he encountered an Ethiopian who was apparently a worshiper of God, even though he was a Gentile. And he's sitting in his chariot and he's reading from the book of Isaiah. And, and he is directed by the Holy Spirit to go over to the man and he asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And the man, as important as he was, because he was an important government official, but as, as important as he was, he wasn't too proud to say, how can I understand it unless somebody helps me? I need a guide. And he said, who's the prophet talking about himself or about someone else? We happen to know the very scripture he was reading because Acts 8 tells us. He was reading Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. that says like a lamb to the, that before the slaughter is done or before the shearers is done. So he opened not his mouth. And the, the Ethiopian says, I don't know who that's talking about. Is, is Isaiah talking about himself or is he talking about somebody else? And Acts says that beginning with this scripture, Philip opened his mouth and he told him about Jesus. Told him about Jesus. And the next thing that happens is the Ethiopian says, hey, here's some water. Is there, is there anything to prevent me from being baptized? I suppose he wondered that because he was a Gentile and also he was a eunuch. And in Judaism, eunuchs didn't have a place in the congregation of Israel. So he says, is there anything to prevent me being baptized? And then he and Philip both went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And the next thing we read about it, he goes on his way rejoicing. Can you imagine being out in that deserted area and that he might have said, Philip, about a day's journey from here is a holiday inn. And when we get there, I'll be baptized because I'll need to change clothes and I didn't bring anything to get wet in and you know or, or Philip I really appreciate you explaining this to me and when I get home I'm going to take care of that he didn't say Philip I'd like to think some more about this or I want to ask a bunch of questions he just said here's some water why can't I do it and why can't I do it now and in fact he did do it on the spot when he heard the good news about Jesus, he knew that that obviously included being baptized into Jesus. You can't tell somebody good news if you don't tell them how to get it, how to receive the blessings of it. And so Philip told him, and he was baptized on the spot. Eight chapters later in Acts, in verse 16, or chapter 16, verses 25, and following, Paul and Silas are in prison. You probably heard this one. And about midnight, there's an earthquake. And the prison shook and all the doors came open and the, the jailer was distraught. He thought all the prisoners had escaped. And, he, and so he grabbed a sword and he was going to kill himself rather than, rather than have his life taken because he had let his prisoners get away. And Paul called out and he said, don't, don't hurt yourself. We're all here. And he called for lights and he rushed in and he saw Paul and Silas and he had heard them singing and praying and he fell down before them. And he said, what must I do to be saved? Well, that man is in the prime position, isn't he? He's just ready to find out. What must I do to be saved? And they told him to believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved in all your house. And the Bible says that he took them 
at that same hour of the night. And he washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once with all his family. Follow this. When was the earthquake? Around midnight? So this is sometime after midnight, and later we read about in the morning something. This is way in the middle of the night. This is two, three, four o'clock in the morning when this happens, and he and his whole household, he had to go get all them up for all of them to be baptized into Christ. Why? Because he knew how important this was. Why didn't they think it over for a while? Why didn't they ask more questions? Why didn't he want to talk it over with his friends? Because he wanted to know what to do to be saved. And when he found out, he said, there's no point in waiting. And he was baptized at once. In Scripture, whenever people hear and believe the gospel, they don't ever wait to obey it. They don't ever wait to put on Christ. It's too important for that. And that's why Ananias was sent to tell Saul what God wanted him to do and then say to him, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Wash your sins away. Calling on the name of the Lord. That's the question I'm asking you this morning. If you haven't been baptized into Christ, what are you waiting for? I want to make this as easy for you as possible. After we've sung here in a few minutes, if you want to come then, that's great. And say, I'm ready to put on Christ and be baptized. If you want to come then, that, that's great. You can do that. If you don't, if that, that's just, a little too upfront for you, I'll be at the back. As you're leaving, just come by and tell me. I want to do this. And, and we'll do it. We've got a big old pool over there. <laughs> with enough water to baptize everybody in this room all at once. <laughs> we really do. We can do that. We've got clothing you can put on. You say, I don't have anything. With hey, we've got it for you. We've got it over there. We've got people who will walk you through it step by step. We've got people who will hold your hand if that's what you want. We'll take care of you. We'll help you. It's not that hard. It may be scary, and it is important, but it is not hard. What's hard is continuing to live in the knowledge of your sins and knowing that you're going to come up to, to, before God in judgment and knowing that you don't want to do that until you're fully ready. Get ready today. Why are you waiting?